Hello, everybody, and thank you so very much for stopping by and checking out TLC Presents Conversation. We're very honored to have you joining us today. We're very thrilled to have these guests share some time and share some stories and some insight with us. Please give it up and welcome from the Fresh Market, Bridget Thurston, Terry Miller, and Heather Hart. Welcome, ladies. Thank you for being here. Having us. Yeah, it's good to see you, Todd. Well, it's nice to be seen, Terry. When we get old, that's what we say now. It's nice to be seen. Exactly. That's, that's how I feel. Yeah. Anytime, anytime, anytime you're upright, anytime you're upright, it's a good day. So thank you guys for coming. I'm, I'm thrilled to have you here because not only I want to talk a little bit about the retail sector, um, you know, from your perspective, but it's very unique to have three women in a buying role at the same company at the same time, kind of marching a path, setting a trail for a company that's ticking upwards, doing some great things, getting ready to do some fun stuff in the world. Um, continuing to garner market share and be a conversation about good quality food and, and doing things right. So it's really exciting for me to have you guys here. So I thought today would be kind of fun to, to chat a little bit about the retail sector a little bit and ask you some other questions just about women in produce and what it means, because I, I think it's a very important issue that we continue to talk about. It's certainly something that I believe in. It's certainly something that I keep promoting. Um, you know, I, I've been around a, a long time and in and, even in my consulting career that we've been doing, it's like, it seems to me like I've, I've been around hiring more women than I have men because it just, they're, they're, they're some great people out there that aren't getting recognized and need to be uplifted. And I love that very, very much. And so for me, um, it's just a neat opportunity to share. So welcome. If you guys would, just to get us started a little bit, can you all, Bridget, I'll start with you. Um, just give us a little quick intro of who you are and what you do so people can get to know the fresh market a touch and specifically and you know really you guys sure thanks Todd. um so i prior to working with the fresh market i worked for i had a long career in produce at whole foods market in the south region for about 13 years maybe a little longer then i moved to the distributor side and worked for mm -hmm. a smaller local um, organic distributor in north carolina um, and recently came onto the fresh market in april as a local produce category manager. Um, so my role is, is sort of unique um, and I work really with the entire team of category managers. Cool, I'm, 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 that's awesome because I'd like to talk about local produce. So cool, I can't wait till we get to that part. Thank you, Terry, say hello to everybody. How is everyone? I hope you're having a good day today. Well, I got to tell you, Terry, if anybody answers in my headsets right now, I'm going to freak the hell out. We're going to be off this Zoom call, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I wish I could play a joke on you. Uh, you will, I'm sure. Um, I've been in uh, produce since 2007, so about 14 years. Oh. And uh, my career started at Foodline. But by trade, I'm a CPA, a CISA. I came up through numbers. So uh, everybody knows Kathy Burns. She's the one who pushed me into this. And to be quite honest, I have loved every day since. Gets so in your blood, doesn't it? It's really different. It's really different. Yeah. I joined uh, the Fresh Market five years ago and have been involved in, in many different all of the categories at one time or another, but right now I have some, some veg and kind of, I'll say the point person, I'm not in charge of supply chain, I'm just a point person for um, working with our supply chain process, which is we have three hubs. We don't sure. have our own warehouses. Right, right, cool. And, and Miss Heather, how about you? 
So I've been uh, with the Fresh Market for a little bit over a year now. I'm a category manager with a mixture of fruit and vegetable categories. Um, and I also have a bit of an added focus on sustainability. Prior to the Fresh Market, I started my career with Freshfields Farm, which is a family-owned retailer in Florida. And then I went on the distributor side with Vernon Produce in North Carolina. Cool. So let's, um, Heather, I'm going to go back to you with this question. What kind of inspired you to start in produce? I mean, what, you know, I stumbled into it in my career. It was completely a fluke. And then now all of a sudden, 35 years later, here I am standing in front of you all. Um, so what, what, what got you involved? So it, it was a bit of a, a fluke for me as well. Um, while I did have some connections to agriculture in my past, um, mm -hmm. honestly, I, I really thought that I was going to be stepping away from that, that I was going to be going more towards the, uh, the hospitality industry, doing uh, some finance there. Um, but I graduated college in 2013, which was not still not a great time in uh, the hospitality industry. So I started working for the family and retailer um, in kind of a customer service support position. Um, and then basically because I had a background in numbers, economics and finance, the director of produce came over and said, hey, we, we'd like to try you buying. And I have been buying since then. And it's now it's in your blood, you're stuck, right? Yes. <laughs> How about you, Bridget? A uh, total fluke for me as well. Um, I, love I worked after college on a biodynamic farm uh, in Wisconsin, and I moved to Charleston, South Carolina, where I'd gone to school. And actually, um, RVP of Produce, Chris Romano, uh, at the Fresh Market, hired me at a job fair. It was just supposed to be a temporary job before I got married, and uh, I fell into Whole Foods and. Uh, produce and realized I'm a total produce nerd. And um, yeah, it just kind of, it just was a really great fit for me. I love it. Terry, how about you? I mean, I know you kind of shared a little bit, but now that you've been doing it a while, I mean, it's kind of in your blood, isn't it? I mean, it's such a unique family to be a part of this produce business. Well, I think what I love, there's two things I love most about this industry. One is never, never, is there a day that's the same as it was the day before? There's never any the same thing going on. Yeah. Um, but every day's a learning. And then the other thing, coming from a finance and, and kind of a technical world, I have found the people in produce, whether it be women or men, to be more supportive of each other's development overall than it was in my professional, my previous professional life. So right. people care more about you in the produce industry than they do in other industries. And, and Bootline is not the only, these are not the only two companies I work for. I worked in government and I worked in manufacturing before that. So um, I can, ease, I'm not, my remarks are not limited to just grocery retail. Sure. Well, you know, you make a, you make a really good point that, you know, we're dealing in a business. I mean, the produce business itself is very high risk. Everybody's got, you know, a, a little bit of exposure all around. You all as a retailer have exposure, but getting the right stuff in to get it right through your system. The grower's got to do the right thing to get it through his system and get it, make it right, get it on track, all these other things. So there's, there's just connectivity that 
I think is so much unlike a lot of businesses because you're all so codependent on doing it right all the way through the system because we all know what happens when it's not right. It's a train wreck. And it's it's sometimes it's not recoverable like this. We just can't make a, you know, a decision on a dime. You get a bad load of whatever it is, that's a really bad day. And so I I love what you said, Terry, because I think it's the way I feel about it. It's a very passionate business. It's always been that way. It's relationship driven. It's the fact that, you know, and I, and I love this about it because it leans into my mantra, which is talking about the positive cost of food. Relationships and relationship buying, relationship selling is a positive cost of food. I firmly believe that. That's really cool. So, Terry, I'm going to go back to you and just because a little bit and just ask, what's it take to survive in a buying role, right? You've been doing it a while, but you came in from another area. You got to have a little bit of a thick skin. You got to be able to turn on a dime. You got to be able to pivot to your point whatever happens to you today is only going to happen, you know, from whatever it might be, may not happen again for 365 days, right? Because tomorrow is going to be different, right? These are all different scenarios. So what's it take to survive in that kind of a role? Um, for me personally, because everybody's just, a it's always different, but um, it's to be able to understand where the other person's coming from and to gather what it is that they're thinking, what they're not showing so that I can either uh, agree with them or build upon what what they're sharing with me, or I can better communicate with them. So it's really understanding the person only sitting beside of me or sitting in front of me. Uh, that's Love not it. always easy, but um, each one's a learning. Um, I was told early on because I am tenderhearted that I would not survive. Um, if I didn't like buying cars, I would not survive. But it, but I am tenderhearted. Mm-hmm. But I've also learned I have to be firm and not let people walk over me because sure. there are those there are those out there who would rather take advantage of me being maybe kind-hearted or tenderhearted mm-hmm. and and use that against me. So yeah. it's for me, it's been balancing the two sides. Yeah, I, I, I can see that. I, I mean, I really can. I, and I, and I, having my experience in this, I can, I can relate to what you're saying. Um, you are tenderhearted. You're a sweet person. I'm glad you're my friend, by the way. All right, which one of the other two want to follow up? Who, uh, Bridget, you want to go? Sure. What's it take I mean, to survive in your role? Yeah, I think it harkens back to what you just said about connectivity. Um, I think, you know, even as a buyer, if you're specialized in your commodities, you also have to know, you know, the weather, the growers, every side of the supply chain, right? Logistics, what's happening even outside of your commodities. Um, and I think that's really unique. I do think you need a thick skin um, and and to be understanding of, you know, when it's going in the ground, the seed in the ground, all the way to when it's merchandised, mm-hmm. you know, at the retail sector. sector. And I think like where I've seen other or new buyers struggle is, you know, not following it all the way through to the end consumer. You know, what is your guest going to look at in four days when they open up their fridge, you know, from their grocery shop on Saturday, you know, what's, what's that stuff going to look like on Wednesday, Thursday. And, and so I think having that frame of reference always and always maintaining that um, is just really helpful to survive in a buying role. Yeah, I love that. You're, and, and and you're right. You, you, it is from seed. It is from seed to table. But like you know, from the producer side, my mantra I've always thought about is like, hey, look, the sale's not over till the check's cash, right? I mean, the bottom line, you've got to see it all the way through. There is no stopping just because it arrived. That's a really poor attitude. Heather, how about you? 
So I would say um, both of both Bridget and Terry have said excellent things, but I would add to that, um, you know, attention to detail is absolutely key in a buying position um, because, you know, just a small miscalculation can, or, or a typo can have potentially disastrous effects that either you, you don't have enough product for a holiday or, or you're drowning in product. Um, I would also say definitely a willingness to learn is extremely important because mm -hmm. with the number of commodities that a buyer has to manage in various regions, nobody can come into produce knowing all of that. And so you really have to, particularly your first few years, just be a sponge and learn everything that people are willing to teach you. Yeah. I, and I, I love, I love you saying that because to me, this business takes a full year to learn because what happens today is not going to happen until this time next year. Right. And so this, you know, the rain, the fall, the spring, whatever it might be. It, it's all a part of that learning. Yeah, we're very, very well said. What do you guys think um, is the biggest misconception that you've encountered in the industry since you've come in? Bridget, any thoughts? Um, it's a tough question. Well, it's, it's a tough question. I, I think it's kind of shifted, but I did come into this industry um, when I was really young. And I felt like that was an obstacle of, you know, kind of what you said about being a sponge. You only know so much, but um, I feel like sometimes I was taken advantage of my newness or maybe I had to, um, you know, work a little bit harder, right, at the beginning. Um, yeah, I, I think another obstacle is finding people that are willing to teach you. I think we're all really busy and that's not changed for, you know, <laughs> eons, right? And every day, you know, people have um, a book day and it's packed, especially in produce because it never stops. Uh, but what I've always appreciated uh, is just people that are willing to take the time to actually show me something and show me how to do it or show me an efficiency or, you know, help me learn about a, a commodity or a weather pattern sure. or a supply chain, you know? So I think, sure. I think those are the obstacles, but, and it really takes some intention to um, move through them. I love that. It's a great answer. And, you know, it, it goes into something I believe wholeheartedly that we must mentor. We got to give back, right? We got to give to get. And I think it's very important in this industry that we lean into that. I think it's very important that we embrace that because we are all learning. We are continual learners. That's the beauty of this plant. We have the opportunity to learn every day. So I love that. Terry, how about you? What's a misconception that you've encountered? Well, if I encounter this no matter what job I'm doing, but if they hear my accent, she must be stupid. So, <laughs> um, and quite honestly, it showed up on uh, one of my interview reports and stuff. If you listen to her, she's, sounds ignorant, but if you listen to what she says, um, but that's not about being a woman, that's just about being a Southerner. The, the other thing is, um, when I first got into this industry, I, is the per perception of what a woman's role was. Mm -hmm. um, so walking PMA the first time, I had a gentleman yell at me and say, hey, hey, Miss, can you come over here and show this to your husband? Wow. And I looked at my badge and then I looked at him and I said, oh, my husband's not here and I'm the person who makes the decisions and I'm the person who's deciding you'll never make a presentation at our company. Wow. So that that's, the, that's what I, you know, I've seen a lot of, that was one person. I've seen people like that. 
but I've seen a whole lot other individuals, men, who don't think that way, who were still sure. in the corner over here saying, no, no, these are the type of um, people we want working on our team. So Absolutely. That's, that's you know what, it's, I, I have to tell you, first of all, the story, amazing, but it's also not shocking, which is even more amazing. And I think that's a just, just, just really shitty, quite frankly. <laughs> I can't believe that we're still stuck. I can't believe we're still stuck in this lane about. And what bothered me about it is in finance and technology, I didn't experience any of that. Mm-mm. I didn't think it existed. But when I got into produce, I said, oh, OK, it is a different world. Yeah. Wow. Heather. I'm sorry to interrupt. No, you're. Uh, no, thank you, Terry. That was awesome. Now, Harry, uh, Heather, share a little bit. Maybe your misconceptions that you have. So I would say that, um, you know, coming in as a female and coming in as a millennial, definitely there's a certain side of, I feel like often I've been underestimated a little bit in in the industry that, you know, to Terry's point, people are like, you're not going to last, you know, you're not going to be the one who picks up the phone when the truck is, you know, sitting at the warehouse in California and it's, you know, 8 p.m. West Coast time, um, So there's definitely a lot of that that I've sort of um, had to overcome and also just the assumption that, oh, because, you know, you're a millennial female, you're going to be so super extra sensitive. And and then sometimes on the flip side, when, um, you know, maybe somebody actually does say something that crosses a line a little bit, sort of having your, your response to that dismissed a little bit that people are like, oh, well, it's, it's just that she's being sensitive. Um, so that's something that I really had to overcome through a lot of, first off, proving myself that I do have a thick skin, that I don't just overreact to everything, that I am the person answering the phone, you know, first thing in the morning and last thing at night. Um, and then also, you know, kind of just really documenting, like if somebody is saying things that, that are really not, you know, professional, not good for the business relationship, and putting that forward in a way that it's like, this isn't emotional. This is, this is maybe not the relationship that we should be pursuing because this is the way that it's being enacted. So, you know, first off, thank, thank you, all three of you for that open and honesty. I got to be honest. I, I, I am so appreciative of your responses and I hope that my immediate thought after what you've just shared and takeaway is that anybody and everybody that's listening to this takes a moment of pause and goes, Hmm, am I that person? Have I done that? What am I doing? What am I doing to change the scenario? Because again, the fact that we are sitting in 2021, having a conversation about equality and equity with the people that have put everybody else on this planet is stupid. You know, it just makes no sense to me anymore. That runway is over. It's done. It's time as much as I appreciate this conversation, it pains me in the same sense that we're actually having it, right? But I'm glad we are because I want people to hear that we've got to work on making these changes if we really want to get the ball down the field to make a better planet, whether it's through food, whether it's through any kind of field that we're in. And we just can't keep continuing having these issues present themselves. They've just got to stop, right? So thank you. From the, I really appreciate that. You've actually, you've actually inspired me. You've actually got me a little moment of pause which is pretty hard to do when I'm doing this because I get pretty jacked up and have fun. I mean, you really like, you touched me with what you said. So I, I appreciate that. Um, 
I want to segue out a little bit and I'm going to throw this out um, to whoever wants to answer it or you all three can answer whatever you want. Because, But I'd like to talk just briefly about what you guys have learned about consumers um, in the last 18 months, right? Now that COVID ended at Tuesday at like, you know, 1159, it's over now, right? But I mean, what have you guys learned? What have you guys learned about COVID and the consumer habits that have really changed you? Because it's been unprecedented. So Terry, you want to start? Whoever wants to, I don't really care. You all can, you can fight over this answer. It doesn't matter to me. Um, consumer, it changed on a dime. It changed yeah. immediately. And I was completely shocked whether it had to do with toilet paper or whether it had to do with eating habits. Um, and, but I, maybe I should have seen this with previous studies of uh, consumers. We have, you know, in my previous life, it was very hard to predict what consumer, we were trying to use uh, geographical areas and income to predict what consumers were going to do. And, and we were finding out it, it was, it's very difficult. It, everything through the internet, uh, access to information is changing things so quickly. And I think that's what helped, not helped or assisted the changes in COVID because people were hearing so much immediately. I mean, I heard about COVID at SEPC and a week later, I'm still not hearing that much, but all of a sudden there's no paper, there's no toilet paper. So everybody was hearing it. So it was just the quickness of the change. But you know, just sidebar story to the toilet paper deal. Do you know one of the reasons why the toilet paper blew up the way that it blew up in the very beginning? I mean, it, it obviously got short. It was, it was they, everybody thought they was coming from China. <laughs> well, no. One of the big things was, is if you think about how toilet paper in a grocery store is merchandised, when they're in these big jumbo packs, you can only put so many up on a pack. And so if you take them down, it's not hard to take down five or six and you have a massive hole. And I think that started to spiral some of that panic. Like, oh, my God, there's no more toilet paper. Well, it's because there's you can only put it up so much and this and that. I think that was some of the reason why that back part. You, any you guys also want to throw any thoughts at all about um, you know consumer habits that you've seen? Anything different than what Terry threw out? This conversation is brought to you by Next Up Brands. Here at Next Up Brands, we're truly partnering with on-trend food and beverage brands to accelerate their growth in the marketplace. If you want to build your brand, then connect with us at nextupbrands.com today. Yeah, certainly. So, and also I want to kind of back up what Terry was saying about, you know, the, the internet. One of the things that I was doing early in COVID when nobody really knew what, what was going on or what consumers were going to do next is, you know, every once in a while when I'd like check my news app, I'd look and I'd say like, oh, like this article of what to buy for COVID is trending, you know, number three on Apple News. So then I'd like send it out to the rest of the team and be like, okay, well, obviously a lot of people are clicking on this story. So I think they're going to be buying onions and, and oranges next week. Right. Um, but I mean, yeah, it just, it absolutely turned on a dime. And I think some of the things really made a lot of sense, you know, a lot of cooking vegetables, a lot of immunity push, you know, with again, citrus, um, ginger root, turmeric, all kinds of things people maybe don't normally buy. What surprised me was the switch towards the packaged product, which at first I think it made sense because we didn't really know how COVID was spread. So people would buy it 
wipe it down and say, okay, the food inside is fine. I was surprised by how long that particular trend lasted after mm -hmm. we learned that most likely COVID is not being spread through touching an item that somebody else had touched before you, right. you know, you're, you're getting it from breathing the air. Um, so I think that that was something that surprised me how long that trend has stopped. Yeah, I know that's, and, and you're right. And you know, what's funny when I think going back up to it, there wasn't a whole lot of energy put behind eat more fruits and vegetables, take your vitamins, right? We, we, that's one of the things I was really shocked that, you know, in hindsight, of course, it's easy to be, a, a, you know, it's really easy to be smart in hindsight, but I was really surprised by that, that we weren't embracing, get your eight servings a day, get your vitamins, get your, you know, really leaning into that. I was surprised that, that the produce industry as a whole didn't all jump on that bandwagon to really start to beat that. And then we started to see it later on where to your point, People are like, well, I bet, you know, we're going to juice more. We're going to get our immunity up. We're going to be doing these things. So it's nice to see that we got to that point. Any other thoughts to the question about, you know, uh, consumer habits? No, good. All right, we can go. Cool. What do you think now that the, you know, the, the as I said, COVID ended on a Tuesday. Um, now that the retail sector is starting to open up a little bit and it's people, I think, Maybe people are a little more chilled out in the grocery store might be a good way of saying it. You know, it, it's, you know, because I, when I recall people going to the grocery store, it's like, how fast can you get in and out, right? It's like, bam, here's my eight items on the list. I'm out of here. Now, it, it seems to be a little bit more flow to it. Are you seeing people a little bit more relaxed now in the retail sector and getting a little bit more engaged with their experience? I'll throw it out to anybody, Kelly, you want to take it? Well, for me personally, sure. if I'm in a store like the Fresh Market, then mm -hmm. I'm going to enjoy my time there. Right. But if I'm going to get incidentals, I want to get in and out. And quite honestly, I'd rather just order it online and have it delivered. Right. So I, if I'm going out, I'm picking where I want to go and to enjoy myself. Mm -hmm. But if I just need incidentals, bring it to sure. me online. And, sure. and I'm a boomer. So that's not really, I guess, my nature. But right now, I love that. So it makes life so much easier to enjoy sure. other things. Sure. Bridget, any, any thoughts around that? Line? Yeah, I mean, I was in the stores, um, not in this role, in this capacity, but I was at um, the Fresh Market stores doing a consulting project um, and resetting some of the produce departments. Um, and I absolutely agree with you. At first, you know, you couldn't, keep far enough away from the customers and it's very counterintuitive. It's not how, you know, anyone approaches customer service, uh, but giving people their space, I think was really important. Um, and now being in the stores, I think it's much different. I think people have a much more relaxed, low key, they're really taking their time to look through all the stone fruit. Like we have so many varietals and I think, you know, people are not just coming in and grabbing grapes and bananas and apples, you know, they're really just like, taking the time to enjoy the produce again. And, you know, we have a very, in our stores, there's just a lot of personal interaction and, um, you know, and a lot of really high level customer service. And I feel like that's back and people are really appreciative of that. Um, Cause maybe not, maybe they're not getting that everywhere else, um, but the fresh market, definitely. I feel like it's still safe to shop, uh, but you're still getting that interaction that I think a lot of people crave, right? They've been isolated and alone. <laughs> Correct. Well, you, you're seeing it now. You're seeing it with people getting back in the bars, getting back to, you know, 
being social again. We're social beings, right? We're, we're not, we're, we like that. And I, and I love what you said, Terry, about the experience, right? You go for the experience part of it. And I think that's such a big part of the retail sector that is so important. You know, what, what are you, you know, if I'm just running in to buy something, doesn't have to be a great experience. If I'm coming in to shop for my family or make choices, I want to be able to go someplace that I feel is making me feel good about being here, about where my dollar's being spent. And I, and I agree with you in the, the, the premise and the line of thinking that people are gravitating back towards that nice experience. They want to be said hello to, you know, they, they really do. And, I, and that's the way we are. We love to hug. We love to, we love to hang out. We love to have family dinners. It's just who we are as, as a species. And I think that uh, we're having, we're, it's good to see us getting back to it. I like it. Thank you. Um, one area that I know is really important to you guys, and it's certainly an area that I really uh, intrigued by and pay a lot of attention to. And I want to talk specifically about what's going on on the East Coast for produce, because the East Coast is certainly has evolved um, over the last 20 years. I mean, you know, the East Coast now is some really great people doing some really great things, putting out some really, really good food. Um and, you know, you see it now, you see guys from the West that are moving out East to, to, to farm because they recognize the importance and value that the East Coast is bringing to the supply chain. And it's great to see. And I know you guys are really, really um, involved in that, as you should be. And, and Bridget, I'm going to throw this question out to you first. Um, how has the East Coast food system developed and, you know, over the past couple of years? I would say, you know, longer than a couple of years, I've seen it really develop over the last two decades. Um, but I think that the East Coast, the quality, the perception of East, Co East Coast produce um, was maybe that it was lower quality or not up to the California standards. Um, and I think that has changed and shifted dramatically. I think there's a couple of reasons for that. One, I think that uh, growers got better and, um, you know, they that there's been a lot of support in, you know, in particular the Southeast of really growing growers into, you know, producing this retail quality um, produce, you know, this retail quality package. Um, I think that just making, you know, logical supply chain sense, you know, the, the trucking has been an issue over the last few years. And now, I mean, I'd say it's like crisis. Um, so I think it is, um, a necessity. I don't think it's really even a choice anymore. Um, and you see big players in the, uh, you know, West having farms in the East now, because it just makes mm -hmm. sense. It makes a lot of sense. Um, and it's from what I've seen is that, you know, we have this really unique ability to start in Florida and then go North and, you know, West and really follow the season along and have a really great consistency. So right. I think that the East does that amazingly well. And I would say if my, you know, one opportunity where I think um, we could really go to the next level is just having an entity of sorts to kind of connect that food system and really have it a little more organized like it is, you know, out West. Um, cool. I love great. I love that. I love it. Terry, how about you? Any thoughts about the East coast? I mean, you've, 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 you've lived it and seen it a lot. What, what do you I feel? I like? would just echo what Bridget has already said. I think she said it well. I think uh, Heather might have some uh, better comments than I would. Oh, great. Heather. I mean, no, specifically to Heather, if you don't mind, and I don't want to put you on the spot a little bit. Can you lean into a little bit of some of the sustainability stuff that I know that you're involved with, but how that applies to the East Coast? I mean, I'll throw you a curveball here a little bit, but, you know, talk about East Coast supply, what you've seen. But, you know, how much is that a factor in some of your thoughts of what you're seeing? 
Yeah, so certainly, I mean, I've seen improvement on in the East Coast on the sustainability side. Um, you know, even in the time that I've been in, in produce, um, for one thing, there definitely are more organic shippers on the East Coast than there were even eight years ago. I mean, there's it's it's definitely a more difficult thing to do. And so there's a lot of conversations you'll kind of have with the different growers about, um, you know, some of them will want to say, oh, well, you know, we we reduce pesticides, we reduce herbicides you know, all of that. Um, but mm -hmm. they're like, but we really can't make it, you know, over the hump to be organic just because the East Coast humidity makes it a lot harder. However, there are several shippers that do an excellent job. Um, but to Bridget's point, it is somewhat more, uh, it's a little more complicated that you have to have a whole um, grouping of relationships up and down the coast, as opposed mm -hmm. to having one shipper you go to in California and you get covered 365 days a year. Um, you know, one of the other areas of, of growth, I think that we've seen somewhere on the East Coast is, you know, our involvement with um, CIW. Um, it's definitely something that that has been um, just key in changing the, the labor situation in Florida. And we certainly hope to see that continue to improve. Um, CIW, but, for everybody who doesn't know, CIW is... You said you said CIW. Yeah, Co Coalition of Immokalee Workers. Workers, right? Yeah. Um, but so, I mean, to kind of to that point, you know, there there definitely is still growth, and I think that as we see, um, particularly for some of the family farms, the the next generation start to take over, we'll see that become an even more important part of their business. I actually had a conversation with one of of organic family farmer on the East Coast. Um, and kind of the next generation was saying about, he's like, well, you know, I, I've got a lot of plans for kind of the 2.0. He's like, but it's a little bit of a hard sell for my dad because, you know, he's, you know, he's not quite as invested in sustainability just because he isn't expecting to still be part of the business in 60 years. But <laughs> <laughs> I love it. What, I want to shift gears a little bit and throw um, out just a kind of generalized question. Terry, I'm going to open this up with you. Where do you, where do you guys think retail is heading? You know, we you talked about going online, purchasing stuff. It's changed, right? The world's changing. Um, technology, you know, is is good and bad all at the same time. Um, the internet has changed everybody's lives. We have more power in our cell phones than we've ever had, you know, than the first spaceship went to, to the moon, right? Um but where do you think retail is heading now? Where do you, what's, what's your prognostication for the future? And I'm going to throw this at all three of you, so I'd like the different perspectives. So, Terry, would you open up, up for us? I, I think you're absolutely right about the technology. Um, the, the, the thing that I'm – the prepared meals or the ingredients and the menu that exist, um, as far as I'm concerned, even if I didn't work here, the fresh market does it better than anybody else. I mean, to be able to get a meal and eat in your home and feel like you're eating restaurant style for a fraction of the cost is huge. Mm -hmm. um, I think that there's going to be more and more of that. Um, I'm seeing it in, in um, those grocery chains that service a different customer than we do. Uh, I'm seeing it everywhere. I just think we do it best. But um, that's a big Damn thing. Right. I mean, it's, a, it's a time saver. Everybody wants right. their time 
to either work longer at their job or to have more fun with their families. Sure. So if I can get great food quickly without going through a drive-through, which is not great food, um, this is where we're going. And I I, I honestly do think Fresh Market has brought back a lot to great dining. I love it. Heather, what about you? Where do you think retail is heading? Well, I think that um, absolutely what Terry said is correct, but I think one of the other things that we have to look at is that, you know, kind of what what do we offer customers that restaurants don't? And one of those things is really the ability that, you know, food can be tailored to their dietary needs. Um, You know, there's, if you're vegan, you you can't go to every single restaurant and find something, but you can certainly using what you find in the grocery store, you can put together a convenient meal or, um, you know, gluten-free, all kinds of different dietary constraints. The other thing is we, we really add a lot of transparency to where's your food coming from. Um, all the time we'll get questions from customers, like, do you source your garlic from China? And the answer is at the fresh market, no, we don't. And it's on, it's on a sign there in the store um, that, you know, they can look at, whereas nobody really thinks about, hey, you know, when I go to the Italian restaurant, on the other side of town, are, are they sourcing their garlic from China? But I think that's something that as customers start to care more and more where their food is com- coming from, that it will mm-hmm. be certainly something that retailers can offer them that restaurants can't necessarily. I like that. Bridget, how about you? Where do you think retail is heading? I, I agree with both, both of what um, Terry and Heather said. I think also if I knew where retail is headed, I'd be a very rich person. On that line. Yeah. I mean, I've seen trends over the years, like thinking again about like the packaged produce and how that just became the new thing. And then it was gone, you know, and no packaging, no plastic. Um, I think we have a really, you know, thinking about um, the next generations, they care, they're invested, they're information gatherers, um, and they have a yes. huge amount of purchasing power. So I actually do think that uh, the retail environment is going to change tremendously. I think there's going to be some things like special diet um, and organic, some things that are maybe thought of as more fringe, um, mm-hmm. I think will just become baseline and, and an expectation. Um, so whether that's good or bad for our industry, I, I, I wouldn't comment on. Um, I do think you know, in addition to the, you know, having convenience meals, I think people also will come back to cooking. I think in COVID we were all forced to, which, you know, again, for better or for worse, um, I think a lot of people are sick of it right now in the immediate, but I also think that, you know, there's this, uh, there's this push of nostalgia and heritage and making sure we don't lose you know, family recipes and, and things of that nature that I, I do see online. And I do see, you know, to Heather's point, I mean, I'll see trending articles, um, you know, not just like what's the new variety, you know, of a stone fruit, but also, you know, what's this old, we were talking about muscadines. So muscadines are on my mind right now. We were just talking about that. So, you know, what's this, what's this kind of heirloom or older grape variety that, you know, or let's say an apple variety that um, people used to, you know, or we used to have more variety and now we don't, I see it going back to more, more variety, more choices for, you know, consumers. Well, technology is making people smarter, right? So people are investing more into those choices. And again, what, you know, Terry, you touched on earlier, it's about the experience, right? So people, people are coming into your store saying, 
I'm going to eat keto, which means I know everything that's there. I'm going to be gluten-free. I know everything that's there, right? We have that power now. We're empowering ourselves with good food choices. We need to be doing it more and faster and, and get on a better trail of some of this, but we're getting there. So I appreciate what you guys said. Is there anything else that you popped in anybody said about retail where it's heading? I would say also the shopping experience. I think there's very few places you can go to get that kind of customer service, you know, with labor cuts and, and, you know, ignoring the labor shortage now that, you know, we're all facing. I think that, you know, there's some specialty grocers that I think are going to be able to make a name for themselves because they really are going to stand out more. Um, So I think that level of like personal service and care is going to be important to people. Well, I think, yeah, you make a great point. Labor is a very important part of this entire process. Labor is a positive cost of food that we have to look at, whether it's farm labor or whether it's store labor, because your labor in the store is creating that experience. You guys could put the very best food out on that, out in the store and give them a terrible experience. And that becomes a problem. So I love the fact that uh, you've said that. And I agree with you. I think that's super, super important. Um, I want to shift gears really quick and go back to kind of what we talked about earlier about, you know, women's roles in business and what's going on. You know, right now we're speaking, you know, from a a very generational perspective, but we're also speaking to a multi-generational audience right now. And I'd like to kind of address some of those issues because a, I hate that we have to, right. I've already made that very clear, right. You know, how we do not uplift women more and how we haven't is a crime, but it doesn't mean that we can't fix it. And so with these conversations, I hope help that because again, we all came from a mom, right? And so I, I don't see how the playing field, I don't see how we can't look how that playing field isn't even, right? Because we wouldn't be here to have this argument if it wasn't, right? So I want to just ask a couple of questions and I'm not trying to get us, you know, any kind of a dark trail, but it has changed over the past 20 years. It has changed in your career for women, you know, and it has changed in produce. And I'm just maybe coming from the perspective of this question. It's like, what has surprised you about the last 20 years, 10 years, eight years, whatever your career number is um, in this business and the journey for women? Um, Terry, can you kind of lead us off with that if you'd like and, and, and just give us some thoughts where you're at? So I'm surprised in the last, I'll say, 15 years, what I have, what, when I came into the industry, most women were either in administrative or marketing. There, there seemed to be very few leaders. Mm-hmm. Um, now I'm, I see an onslaught of women uh, in leadership roles. So I, I, and I do attribute that to there's a group of men out there who are supporting this to feel like you do. And they go out and they seek the best talent. Correct. And, so, and, and those, those same, whether it be, I mean, I was lucky to have Kathy Burns, but I also had Jim Corby who were all coaching me to be who I was, but also how to manage who I am um, I love in that. the business world. So I think there's those group of people who are just out there supporting uh, the growth of women um, in the industry. And I see it proliferating. If I think about all the different companies that I've met with and who their leaders were then and who they are now, it is huge. I think it's different. I think it's hugely different. That is a powerful statement. Be who I was, be who I am. I love that. That's a T-shirt right there. I'll just tell you right now. I love that one. Ladies, any thoughts? And you guys, 
you know, kind of where you guys feel like from your perspective, what surprised <laughs> you a little bit? From, from my perspective, and, and obviously, I think there's a lot of gratitude with women for people like Terry um, and Kathy Burns that paved the way and sure. made some openings. Um, I probably am a little more impatient than Terry. And I would say that from me starting in this industry in early 2000s, um, 2004, I actually think progress has been slower than I would hope. Um, and, you know, yes, there are women in leadership roles. I think we, there's a lot of work to do um, in terms of diversity and equity and what roles, you know, those women have. Um, I think like you, it shouldn't be even something that talks is, to, is spoken about, right? It should just be baseline. And I think that we're getting there. It's just really slow progress. And I think that produce is an industry that is slow to change. Um, mm -hmm. So yes, I, you know, I give props to everyone who's, who's helped and made it, made improvements. I, I see from my perspective that the retail sector is kind of um, leading the way. I think on the distributor buying supply chain logistics, I feel like those are kind of the subsets that are a little uh, slower to change. This conversation is brought to you by Next Up Brands. Here at Next Up Brands, we're truly partnering with on-trend food and beverage brands to accelerate their growth in the marketplace. If you want to build your brand, then connect with us at nextupbrands.com today. Interesting perspective. Yeah, I don't um I I I don't think I would disagree with you from that perspective at all, to be honest with you. Now you planted that seed in my head, but I would agree. Heather, how about you? And I mean, I think also we need to give a shout out that there are a lot of uh, great female growers out yes. there as well. Um, they've definitely done a lot to uh, to grow on that side and, and arguably maybe even a little bit faster than the retail side. So I think really even they may be leading the yeah. way. Um, but, you know, kind of to the point that Terry made about, you know, it's been great that, you know, I also in my life have had um, every man that I've ever directly supported. Um, reported to has valued women and has valued me, you know, as putting not really even taking my gender into account. You know, they just right. saw me as a buyer and valued me as a person. And so that's been huge. But I think when we have organizations, you know, like Southern Roots that put women in touch with each other, it really gives women the chance to support women because it's harder to do that when you're the only woman in the room. Um, mm -hmm. And so I think that when we have those types of organizations and as they continue to grow, it's going to just accelerate that, that growth for women in the industry a bit more. And I'd like to point out one thing. Mm -hmm. My whole career in produce up until last year, pre-COVID, I was the only female category manager. So the fresh market has brought me two wonderful partners in the last year. And, and I, that says a lot about the fresh market, but it's sure. even more about their skills and talent. So. Yeah, no doubt. Well, yeah, and, and I love what you said. It's about that playing field. It shouldn't be a consideration, right? It's about it's, it's a job and who's the best person for the job. And there shouldn't, you know, to me, it's, it's what it comes down to. And I, and, I, and I appreciate you guys sharing with me what you did. What about words of wisdom for women right now that want to look at produce for a career? Because, you know, We've got a lot of young people that listen to us. Our demographic says that we've got, you know, there, there's people out there that are looking for a very important word, mentorship, guidance, um, maybe feeling something that all of a sudden we touch upon. So what would be some words of wisdom 
um, for women considering getting into this field? Bridget, I'll throw it at you first. Yeah, I think um, that at first it can be shocking um, what how it is still a male-dominated field. Um, mm-hmm. But I do think that there's great people and mentors everywhere. And I would, you know, say reaching out to other women in produce is really um, is is really helpful. But there's also, you know, finding finding mentors and allies, you know, in an organization. Um, I think you know, you can go really far. I don't think you should limit yourself, you know, because women, I think just in general, bring a lot to the table um, and, a, and a unique perspective that's not there. I mean, women are still typically the, the shoppers um, in the family and this huge demographic. Um, and yet they're not making the decision of what's going into the store, you know, in, right. in the same sense as, as men. Um, so I would just say, you know, and I just think for the industry, I think Southern Roots is a really phenomenal um, organization, but I wish that there were every, again, like subset was taking some uh, of an initiative to bring more women into the fold. And whether that's, you know, on the trucking side and logistics or the growing side, um, you know, all of those lines, I think that people would be really um, surprised at kind of the perspective that that's going to bring. And I don't think it's hard. I think, yes, there's hiring and you can you can choose the best person for the job. But if you have two equal candidates, maybe you do choose a woman and and, uh, you know, spice up your organization a little bit. So I love it. I love it. I love it. What would what would be. Um... An, an area that perhaps you'd like to change in agriculture when it comes to this issue, right? I mean, in a, Terry, I'm gonna, I guess I'll open this up with you a little bit. And I, I'm, I'm gonna give you a two part question actually. You know, what's an area you'd like to change for women in ag, but also to how do we empower more female talent? How do we empower, how do we, how do we, how do we reach out? How do the produce community, the food community reach out and uplift an eight-year-old girl that's, you know, trying to figure out what her life is, a 13-year-old, 16-year-old, whatever it might be, but to get down to where we start to empower people earlier to, to, to want to be in this business, but also to want to be the very best that they can be and realize that they can be anything they want to be. So I know it's a big question, but I'm going to throw it back at you. Now, again, just what changes in ag today and a little bit about how do we empower? You're all going to get this question, so you better be thinking of it because I've, I've, you know, I made a really broad question, so be ready. Uh, Bridget just motioned to me, so I, I guess no, I fine. guess I'll take this one. <laughs> so, um, you know, I I would say, um, you know, as far as changes in agriculture, I think the biggest thing I would just like to see is really kind of. A, a general appreciation of not even just women, but of diverse opinions of mm-hmm. understanding sure. that, you know, while diversity in opinions may mean that you're going to have to have the conversation a little bit longer, it means that you're going to come to a smarter conclusion ultimately, because even if you don't like what you're hearing, it's good to hear what the other, you know, what the other viewpoint is, because when you take that to the marketplace, the other viewpoint is going to be there, even if you're not hearing it. Um, so that's kind of what I would like to see in agriculture. It's just more of that appreciation of the, you know, not 
everybody necessarily thinks the same way. So we need to invite people, whether it's from different regions, um, different genders, different races, um, whatever the case may be into the room. Um, as far as empowering women, you know, I think that one of the things we have to look at is we need to, you know, we need to give the opportunity for women to develop. We need to, you know, give them meaningful coaching, but we also don't want to overcoach because I think that there's times that, um, you know, we can, and I know I can personally say, um, communication is something that I have worked long and hard on, but there's times where I've definitely been overcoached on it, where, you know, maybe I've, I've said something that absolutely, if a man said it, it would have just gone by. Um, but, you know, because I said it, suddenly people are saying, oh, well, well, she shouldn't have, you know, she shouldn't have held that, been, you know, that tough with that supplier that was out of line. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Fortunately, story. that has not happened to me in the I fresh market, though maybe Terry hasn't thought of one. I've uh, said things like that. Um, but, you know, so, I mean, absolutely, it's one of those, as a as a 22-year-old buyer, I needed to, to learn that, but maybe not as often and not quite as, uh, as hard as I did. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, as far as em empowering younger women, um, I think it's less industry-specific how we need to empower women and more just um, how we need to empower girls in general. You know, I mean, sure. one of the things that always comes to mind for me is, you know, when you say uh, run like a girl, throw like a girl, it always means bad. And mm. I think that that's one of those <laughs> things that, you know, being feminine, whether you're male or female or gender fluid, um, you know, feminine is not bad. Mm -hmm. Feminine is just different. And you can be a really good buyer and be feminine and wear pink and it's fine. <laughs> I love that. What a great answer. I mean, what a great answer from your heart. I, I mean, that was awesome. And you're, and you're spot on, right? It's spot on. It's back to, you know, I think Bridget, you said earlier, it's like that level playing field, right? Enough. We're, we're all the same, right? And let's be that way because that's how we're going to move this thing forward. Divisiveness, these issues, while they're extremely important and not to be made less of, they just need to be, they just need to go away. We just need to solve the problem. We have a lot of things we need to solve. We just need to start solving these so we can move forward because to me, it would be wonderful. And I won't see it probably in my lifetime, but it'd be wonderful if someday this was no longer a conversation, right? That generation's coming and I can't wait for them to get here. And I look forward to what their lives are going to be like when it is what it is, right? It just, this is, this is the new world. And I'm, 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 I look forward to that. I think it's going to be very important. So I thank you for sharing that. I hope I didn't put anybody too much on the spot with that question, but I think it's just really important. I think we've got to give back. And, and I think that if there's something that I'm hearing from all three of you is that there's a deep appreciation for the things that have gotten you where you are, the people that have impacted you, the people that have helped change and shape your lives. And I think you're recognizing the importance now of what that means and what your responsibility and obligation is in that role to give back. And I commend you all three for that thought process. It's very powerful, right? It's very powerful. I say something all the time on these broadcasts and the people, it's like, go inspire somebody today. You know, if everybody in this, if everybody in the United States just tried once every on the same day, next Thursday, let's do it. Let's just inspire one person, give them something inspirational in their life. We'll change the dynamic of this entire country. And it's so important. So thank you. And I, and I, and I 
you all are inspiring me right now. You really are. You've uplifted me. I, I have to admit, I, I, the things that you've shared and the things that you said have touched my heart tremendously. You've opened up my mind to a lot of things. You've got me thinking about some different stuff. Um, I think it's really, really cool that you guys were so open with me on these conversations, and I truly appreciate it. I want to shift gears a little bit. I want to get, um, I want people to get to know you guys a little bit and get off the, let's get off the reservation about this. I want to ask some questions. Heather, I'm going to open this one up for you. Um, and I want to, because I just thought this was so cool. Could you share with me a, a, a quote that you learned and you put into practice? And I mean, I love what it is. Like you shared with me before. And I just, I, I, I would love for you to share everybody that. Yeah. So the quote was plan for what is difficult while it is easy. Do what is great while it is small. And it's from um, Sun Tzu from the book, The Art of War. Right. Um, and so that quote really stuck with me and, and I kind of put it in practice in my career because being proactive and planning ahead is absolutely key, particularly as a buyer. Um, anytime you, you deal with an issue before it becomes a problem, whether it's, you know, I, I bought too much, um, so I think I, I need to, you know, mark it down and just, just get it out or, um, you know, I, I didn't buy enough, so I need to start making the calls, you know, to today to, uh, you know, fill in before I have to go to my customer and tell them I don't have it. Um, right. Terry's laughing because I, I used to, she used to be my customer. Um, <laughs> and so, I mean, that's really just something that when you deal with those problems before they become a problem, you're always better off. Better to be proactive than reactive, right? So just a sidebar though, Heather, you were a coxswain. Yes, yes, I was. So that, um, I was a, a division one um, athlete. Um, I was at the University of Central Florida. The coxswain is the position on the rowing team that's the person who steers the boat and uh, who yells, which I know a lot of people think we just sit there and say row. We do not, um, well, laying down a cadence is part of it. You're actually um, often kind of more um, coaching sort of in rhythm. Um, so you're, you're trying to give them the cadence in the rhythm and also talk and coach through, you know, to row together. Basically, instead of telling them to row together, you're telling them how to row together better. Um, and also, you like know, what I said about steering, so one of the things in rowing that a lot of people don't realize is there's eight people in the boat who can't see where they're going. And the coxswain is the only person who can see where they're going and thus steers the boat. Um, so it's something that really taught me a lot about teamwork and, and trust. Um, and the idea of saying, you know, I as the coxswain had to trust my rowers that they were going to push themselves, that when I told them, you know, they needed to to like shift the rate they were rowing at or, or push harder that they were going to make that change. But they also had to trust me that one, I was going to take the best coast course that we possibly could with the boat. And two, that I was going to make the right call when we needed to make a call in the race or change the race plan. So it really taught me a lot um, about teamwork and definitely is something that helped shape my life in business. I love it. That's <laughs> Bridget, tell, tell me something that you're really proud of professionally. 
actually, um, I think that, you know, something that I've been really intentional about is mentorship um, and sharing the knowledge that was given to me, because like I said, I kind of fell into this field um, and super, uh, I'm super grateful to the people that have shared their knowledge with me over the years. So I make a very concerted effort to, you know, and not just women, but I, I, you know, throughout my whole career, I'm like, okay, let's get some more women in here. Um, I didn't want to be alone either. So I did make um, a lot of efforts to, to mentor and to bring people into an industry that's maybe not, you know, as open to them. Um, and that is really fulfilling to me. Um, and seeing someone else do well or get the promotion um, or just feel, you know, build a lot of confidence. Um, mm-hmm. I, I find a lot of pleasure in that. I love it. Terry, I know that you are extremely proud of the Southeast Produce Council and what's going on with with Southern Roots. Can you share with us with Southern Roots? It came up a couple of times today, but I think it's worth a shout out. Would you mind? One of the things when I first joined the industry that just struck me odd was the amount of support I got from women in the industry. And... um, I actually enjoyed being around women once I got into produce. There didn't seem to be those gains and whatever. So um, when I joined Southeast Produce Council, um, just being in the produce industry, you go to all these events and there are all these women events at these shows that are, present topics from sports writers or successful women. Mm-hmm. But it, what I wanted and what I was missing is, how do we become the best of what we are? Mm-hmm. And so that's where Southern Roots came from, was how do we put a program together that presents something to women about how to be the best of who you are? Um, I think about our last one, and I always say her name wrong, wrong, Fry from watermelons and stuff, mm-hmm. um, a grower. And um, Renee Fry, or is that Sarah, 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 Sarah Fry? Sarah Fry. Yeah. So cut that part out. <laughs> <laughs> she was great. She was great. And um, there, we are so focused on okay, who's going to be our conversationalist in each of the shows and what will it do for the women in there? We, we specifically stay away from sports unless they have a real story to tell. We specifically sure. stay away from time management. You know, uh, that's, that's really not what women need. If they need it, they can go out there and look online. But it's about, you know, how do we build our relationships? How do we deal with each other? And then how do we meet one another? We pro- provide an environment where they're meeting one another and beginning and developing those friendships. Because just as we talk, as Bridget talked about mentors, mentors, everybody should have at least five mentors because everybody has a different perspective of who you are and everybody has a different perspective of um of what the, their situations are. So, so just like you read books, these mentors help you build a solution or what's best for you. So this was, a, how, do we, how do we all get connected? So 
Southern roots, uh, I am very proud of them. I'm proud of the five, uh, seven women that helped me build it. And I'm so grateful to Terry Voorhees, who's now passed away, who mm -hmm. was heading up um, Southern Root, Southern SEPC, who allowed this. The men gathered around me. It wasn't even a debate. And they supported us the very first day. And it, it went from our first meeting um, probably seven years ago was 35 women. Now we're over 200 at each of the events. That's fantastic. But now, I am very uh, prejudicial. Um, we don't allow men in the meetings. I don't want a man to take the seat of a woman who's, who's searching for something. Yeah, I love it. I'm glad we got the men supporting us and all of that, but I want everything to be available to the women of the group. It's great. Thank you. For, thank you so much for sharing that. I know it's important and I know that you guys are doing some great stuff. And, and again, it's about empowering. It's about conversation. It's about getting us to this level playing field. And I, and thank you very much for what you're doing and for sharing about Southern Roots. And I hope people get online, get on the Google machine and type it in and see what it's about and sign up and come and be a part of it and join and um, and keep building this network and, and um, keep empowering, right? Let's just keep empowering. It's what we got to do. Um, so I'm going to shift gears. Let's have some fun. I'm going to throw some questions at you. Lightning round. You guys are playing for huge cash and prizes. Huge. I mean, enormous. Zero. Absolutely playing for nothing. Who's your favorite athlete or celebrity? Go, Heather. Go. Boom. That's really hard. Um, <laughs> I guess a uh, favorite celebrity, I'm going to say uh, Sam Rockwell. Um, he's an actor and he's yeah. actually uh, my aunt's step, uh, stepson. So he has to go. be my favorite, right? <laughs> Terry, favorite athlete or celebrity? Denzel. Denzel. <laughs> okay. Him. Okay. He's like, you know what? You love him so much. You just dropped Denzel. That was it. We don't need to know his last name. I love it. Bridget, go. Um, favorite athlete is Abby Wambach. Nice. Good choice. Good choice. Lay a little rough day, a little, little rough. Hopefully, uh, things turn around and we get a good, uh, run with these guys in the Olympics, right? What's the best way to spend a Sunday afternoon? Yeah. <laughs> Which, what'd you say? Uh, for me, reading. Reading. Good. Terry. Nap. Yeah. yeah bingo. I never get those. <laughs> Go on a run. Going to run. Okay. That's good. Energetic on a Sunday afternoon. I love it. Now the world needs overachievers Sunday afternoon for God's sakes. <laughs> What's your favorite movie? Ooh, this is a hard one. Go favorite movie. I'll just say the Goonies for me. It will never change. Yeah. I love that choice. I'm a Star Wars geek. I yeah. love Star Wars. I mean, I, we that. How do you not love that? <laughs> you, you've got to pick an episode. <laughs> <laughs> Heather, how about you? Favorite movie? Um, I'm gonna say uh, Star Wars, and I'm gonna specify to episode three. I'm actually sit sitting here drinking out my Ahsoka <laughs> coffee mug. So I love it. I wear my nerddom proud. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Ladies, I got to tell you, this has been so cool. I have enjoyed my time. You, I'm telling you, you all have touched me. I'm telling you, it is, it is, I am, you have made my day so much better and have brightened up my week and have put some thoughts in my head to, to, to dig into my own soul about doing things more and becoming more empowered and giving voices. And, and it's just, it's just killing. Um, 
I love doing this and you guys have made this just extra special for me. I got one final question. I want to put it to the three of you. Um, and I don't care who answers it first. Um, but if you could just give one piece of advice today to a young person wanting to make a difference in this world, what would it be? Be who you are, but manage what people see. Beautiful. That's beautiful. Be who you are and manage what people see. I love that. Heather, Bridget, any thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a really tough question. Um, I would say for me. I don't screw around with layup. Hey, anybody can shoot a layup. I'm a three-point guy. Come on. Uh, yeah, I, I would say, you know, if you really want to make a difference in this world, actually learn about this world, learn about people that are different from you and don't have the same shared uh, life experience than you. And, and I think that your perception, I think your whole world will change when you actually open it up to others. Beautiful. I love that. I would say um, if, if you're looking to change the world, just really understand on a deep level why because when things start to you know the obstacles start to get in your way when you can come back to that very strong sense of purpose it will keep you pointed in the correct direction even if the plan has to change i that's beautiful you know what i cannot think of a better way to sign off from chatting with you guys and what you just three just laid out right now you have taken what we've talked about and brought it right to a beautiful close um, again, I thank you from the bottom of my heart for taking time out of your day to share with the world these thoughts and to uplift, right? That's what we need to do. We need to uplift people every day. It doesn't matter who it is, what it is, but uplifting people will change our planet. We've got to continue to do that. From the bottom of my heart, I thank you three tremendously for your time and energy today. I hope it was fun. If it wasn't too bad, it's already done anyway. So we're over. <laughs> Well, thanks for giving us the opportunity actually to, you know, be in this room together. I mean, we wouldn't typically ask each other these questions. I mean, I think we're, you know, we, we have great conversations, but, you know, I wouldn't necessarily ask Heather and Terry all these questions that you did. So thanks for giving us that opportunity. It's absolutely my pleasure. You're welcome back anytime. This is, you know, I, I want to continue doing this. I want to continue to uplift, right? And so let's let's keep let's keep the ball rolling. Let's keep these conversations in the forefront so we can stop having them right? There's the goal. That's my goal. Let's stop having, let's get to the point of stopping having. Thank you all very much. I really do appreciate it. Uh, thanks everybody for watching. Take care. Be good to each other. Remember, keep smiling, go inspire somebody. It's really important. Thanks again to the folks at Freshmark for hanging out with us. We'll see you all soon. Take care. Yeah. Thank you. What a huge shout out to Bridget, Terry, and Heather for their time and energy today and sharing with us. That was one of the most open, honest conversations um, that I think we've had um, on some really, you know, what I think is a really powerful issue to continue conversation on. So thank to them and thanks to the Fresh Market. Thanks to all of you for uh, taking the time and energy to hang out with us and, and, and let us infiltrate uh, your brain space a little bit and put some thoughts up there. And, and hopefully we inspired your day a little bit. We know it's super, super important. Um, again, Thank you, and check us out on uh, all the social media channels where all the cool kids hang out. Check out our Instagram site, TLC underscore Todd Versations. We're on uh, LinkedIn, Facebook, uh, the whole nine yards. The audio version of this broadcast and all of our Todd Versations are available on all the different podcasting platforms. Just click on whichever one you listen to, and you will find us. Also, the video version is available on our YouTube channel. Check those out. 
um, an open invitation to come on and share your story, spend time with us. Let's go uplift things. Let's uplift the conversation. Let's make a difference in this world because we're talking, communicating. Really do appreciate you and appreciate your time. Thanks for hanging out with us. Remember, go inspire somebody today. I'm telling you, it really is important. Take care. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye.